Well, here it is. I am back. I have to tell you, three weeks away. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There was one man I thought I was going to miss until I heard that he wanted to replace me. He wanted to go ahead and have me replaced, but I am going to forgive him. He is my friend. Well, at least I thought he was my friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? Oh, man, I, I didn't want to have you replaced. Just, you know. Just, just replaced? Just, just gently retired. Just yeah, gently just push, push, push aside. No, I know it was a, <laughs> push I know aside, it. cast aside like yesterday's garbage. No, uh, I know it wasn't all fun. I want to send a shout out, of course, to our international correspondent, Rob Lawrence. What a great job he does in our absence, Kelly, whether it's you or whether it's me. Um, he really does an incredible job. Mm-hmm. And if you miss hearing Rob, you could always check him out on the EMS one spot. He's doing a great job over there and kind of competing with the, uh, you know, the inside EMS podcast now as he starts to get his listeners num- uh, listener numbers up mm-hmm. and he starts to really kind of develop a great product and uh, just kind of stay tuned because he is going to come up on that uh, on your uh, listening channel right after the inside EMS podcast. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud and uh, but you guys had some really great shows. I was listening from far and away. Uh, just to kind of hear how the show sounded. And uh, it was really interesting trying to decipher the different uh, accents there, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was uh we're, we're on opposite ends of the scale as far as accents. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, the linguists will tell you that, that a Southern accent is the, the closest uh, version to old English as our original American colonists uh, spoke Uh uh, I, I don't know exactly how the the etymology and and the linguistics evolved, but um, they say that 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 is that is the closest to a uh, to an old English or a, an early American accent uh, that the original settlers had. So we're not we're not uh, we don't have a draw. We're just vintage. We're we're real Americans, true Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, one my story, and I'm sticking to it. One of the things that I used to joke with Rob about all the time is, you know, he does have the original accent to the state of Virginia. So that, yeah. is, <laughs> yes, that is something it was. But uh, I am glad to be back. It was good to be away. And, uh, you know, I needed to recharge uh, just like when you go out and make smoke and noise. And uh, but it was nice just to sit and relax. But I did miss chatting with everybody out there and sharing my opinions. And there are a lot of stories that are going on inside of EMS that really kind of raises an eyebrow, Kelly, and gives concern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're having to talk about it again. And this is the day that we've got to be able to say more and more as you peruse the EMS one news of the day, more and more of our peers, our firefighters, our EMT brethren are getting assaulted. And, Just looking at all of the uh, news stories as we started to come on, you know, you're reading three or four of these Mm -hmm. Los Angeles County firefighter um, firefighter kills fire engineer wounds fire captain at station. Um, There's another one off duty fire uh, FDNY ENT jaw eye socket broken during attack over a parking space that really wasn't on the job. I was gushing blood patient attacks. FDNY EMT in the ER. And we really now have to start again to pay attention to assaults on EMS providers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something we weren't talking about 10 years ago, Kelly. You know, I know your argument is 
was it happening? And we just not, we're not tracking it. Now in the 24 hour news cycle, we're seeing it more and more. Another story from May 28th, a New York EMS provider says he was assaulted in Las Vegas for being Jewish. Certainly yeah. that wasn't, of course, uh, him being attacked as a, an EMS provider, but really, uh, you know, for something different, but safety, safety. And do mm -hmm. we have to now worry about our uh, providers? And it, it, it comes to the point of we take for granted that we leave the house and, you know, we may not come home at the end of the shift. It, and, and that's true. I, I don't know so much that that uh, violence against EMS providers is on the rise as it is that violence uh, against other people, period, is on the rise. Uh, I, I'm still not sure that, that statistically it's any uh, more significant than it has been in the past. Uh, certainly you hear more news reports about mass shootings. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know where that falls statistically. You know, if you hear about these things on the news and what's the old saying, if it leads, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, uh, you, you don't, you don't hear much public interest stuff. Uh, it's about the, the death and destruction. But it certainly seems like there's enough of it going on and that that the ability to uh, protect yourself uh, and to be aware of, of potential dangers is should be at the forefront of most EMS providers' minds. Um, how we address that, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you how I would address it if it were up to me and it were legally uh, um legal in my state i can certainly tell you how i would address it but it's still well, a, how how would you address it i mean how would you well address it? I, well i tell you how i address it every day i'm not on duty is is i carry a weapon i carry a weapon in the fervent hope that i never ever have to use it and and uh, my speech is more gentle and and i am more aware of potential conflicts and i'm a great big fat chicken with a pistol strapped to my hip um and I hope that I never have to use it. And, and but the problem is, my issue has always been, uh, is that that carrying on the job is, and you know, the 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 defensive mindset and the combat mindset is is almost antithetical to the caregiver mindset. Yeah, I you know, don't know. We I have think to. You, I think you say that all the time, and I don't. It's true. I, I, it's true. I, I don't agree with you. You take to the you, you listen to any reputable uh, self defense trainer, and they talk about uh, the, there are courses out there on on uh, um, spotting bad actors and and averting these these interactions. Uh, the there's one called Muck uh, managing unknown contacts and how to spot the physical cues that uh, someone who may uh, intend to do you harm is displaying. Uh, and, and the way they approach you and the way they select their victims. And those, that kind of, of education and training is invaluable in protecting yourself. But it presupposes that you don't have to be there and you can get away. Okay. Um, and, and the biggest thing is avoidance. Hey, you don't want to get shot. You don't want to get robbed. Uh, don't be at the ATM in the bad part of town at three o'clock in the morning. That's a pretty simple formula. Uh, don't, uh, don't be in stupid places and, and stupid things happen to you and nothing good ever happens on a street corner at 3am. So 
but in EMS, we do not have that luxury. We are required to go into places where we would not normally go. We're required to interact with people we would not normally interact with. And it's, you know, the, the, the teachings in those situations uh, are run counter to, to our duty as EMTs. And, you know, we, we preach to people, be a compassionate caregiver, um, you know, and treat people with dignity and respect. And sometimes we talk about the power of a healing touch. <laughs> These things are kind of, of, of antithetical to managing an unknown contact or an assailant who, who uh, means you harm. So how do we reconcile uh, shifting our, our focus from someone or shifting our viewing a, someone, a potential patient to a potential adversary? That's, that's a big mental leap to make. And it's, and it's, it's far more complex than just carry a gun or don't carry a gun. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, man, uh, uh, you know, I, I think this, um, so in my career, I've had the opportunity to, to learn how to defend myself mm -hmm. and I've studied martial arts, uh, a lot of years. I achieved two black belts. I have a brown belt. I mean, there's a lot of years of self-defense. He's, he's a third degree black belt in feng shui people. That's right. So I do, <laughs> I am able to match the couch and the curtains, yeah. uh, no pun intended. Yeah. So, but one of the things that I've always dealt with is I am there to take care of you in my career. I've had to have the opportunity to defend myself physically. Okay. Mm -hmm. The, the switch is. I'm here to take care of you. If you put me in a position to defend myself, I am going to take you to the hospital in this ambulance once I'm done with you. Yeah. Now, I think that those of us who have uh, the ability to carry on uh, when we're off duty, we know the law of how we're going to utilize that weapon. And mm -hmm. in certain scenarios, we've gone through this in our mind. I'm a person who will walk my house with my weapon and say, someone just came in the front door. Someone just busted the basement window. What are you going to mm -hmm. do? And I will walk the routes of how I will handle those situations in our mind. When we hear these things that are happening in the news of a shooting at this place or a shooting, we run those scenarios in our head to say, mm -hmm. okay, if I was there, how would I handle this situation? I think the transition isn't as difficult as you're making it seem. I think that I am there to take care of you to deliver the highest quality of patient care. But if you pull a knife on me or if you pull a, if I see a butt of a gun coming out of your waistband and I can get mine out first, I'm going to I'm going to defend myself to the utmost of my ability. And that may mean I'm going to have to kill you. Well, and, and it may. But, but go ahead. But, you know, I'm, 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 well, hang on one second. And I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, I, I chose my words there to say mm -hmm. um, uh, how I would defend myself. I chose them specifically because that's the potential of what could happen. And the mentality is it's you or me. I'm here to take care of you. Don't put me in a position where I got to choose. Well, exactly. And, and I can, I can sympathize and agree with that 100%. My point being is that in the situations we find ourselves in the close quarters and confinements, we have our find ourselves in the nature of our job, putting our hands on people, being in close physical contact with people, 
the element of avoidance of conflict is not something that, that we can really have in our repertoire most of the time. And when it comes to deadly force, you know, the vast majority of successful uses of handguns don't result in shooting someone. You, you draw, uh, you draw, you, you, you separate yourself from your attacker and, and they decide to uh, um, beat feet and seek a, an easier victim. Uh, and, and, you know, the, these non-shooting defensive gun uses uh, are, are undercounted by orders of magnitude. The thing is, is it's in the, in the setting that we're in and in the, the close proximity to people that we are in, often when the violence erupts, you're already hurt before you have a chance to pull your weapon. You know, um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't carry one, and I will not tell another person who, when it is legally... Uh, when they're legally allowed to carry that they shouldn't carry a weapon. I don't care about that sort of thing. And I'm not one of those people that, that says, you know, I don't trust my partner, uh, on the rig with the gun. Uh, if I can't trust him with a cardiac monitor and an IV needle and a, and a deadly weapon, like a laryngoscope, I can't trust him with anything, you know? So I generally don't work with people. I, I can't rely on and can't trust. Uh, that may be a luxury at, at my agency uh, that many other EMS providers don't have. Uh, they don't have that level of trust or the ability to to select their partners or remain with a partner for a, a long period of time. But the point being is that even a, the, the price of a good man is the torture you put yourself through when you have to create, when you have to commit a horrible act. And by any measure, even in defensive use, when it's fully justified, the price that a good man pays for committing that act is a whole lot of psychological and emotional conflict and torment. Um, police officers go through this in, in, in cut and dried, legally justified shootings. You know, the, the, the officer that had to shoot the, the uh, teenage girl that was, was attacking uh, another girl with a knife right in front of him. Do you think he went home and felt good about his day after having to do that? Uh, these people wrestle with that and it caused, you know, we're big proponents of mental health and wellness uh, on our podcast for our EMS providers. What do you think PTSD wise yeah. it would do to you if you had to shoot someone you were initially called to help, even you know if it was That's clear cut. But that's the situation that we were put in. I mean, you Wait, know, he, yes, yes, we were. But that it's it, it's it's easy to say that logically, but our brain doesn't always work that way. But here's the here's the realization of this, right? Mm -hmm. Either he's going to kill me, or I'm going to have the opportunity to defend myself, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so the, those of us who carry, when we're in our private life, mm -hmm. have come to the conclusion that if I have to pull this weapon there's fire that's going to come out of the end of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to pull and brandish unless, and, exactly. unless that's, you know, and I've um, got to be able to deal with the outcome of that. I but mean, there may be instances where you can pull, uh, and, and not have to fire, but that's a, that's a decision, you know, shoot, don't shoot. That's, that's a decision that, that is very, very fluid and dependent upon the situation. So I won't but say I'm, but never I'm, pull your weapon. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but I, I think it's how you're trained. I think it's what you're used to doing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got to be able to come to the realization that if we're carrying and if we pull that weapon, someone, you know, someone's going to get, uh, you know, someone's going to die. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if we're having to do that on the job, 
because we're having to defend ourselves. You know, you, you talk about getting punched in the face. Yeah. Um, it, it's one thing to get punched on the face and getting knocked to the ground. It's another thing for someone to start kicking you in the face while you're on the ground or kicking you in the chest while you're on the ground or jump on top yeah. of you and start stabbing you with a knife. Mm -hmm. um, I'm all for you punch me in the face and it's a good punch and I'm on the ground. Fine. But I don't want anything happening after that. And, don't keep and, coming, yeah. And I don't know that this was the discussion that we wanted to have to talk yeah. about, you know, EMS carrying weapons. But it seems that we just got here. And I guess we got here by you saying, I know what I would do. I got to tell you, man, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, you know, a six mag, a six battery mag light, uh, you know, was what we were carrying for protection at three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Um, I believe before I leave this career field, uh, and before I retire, there are going to be more and more EMS agencies allowing their paramedics and EMS providers to carry weapons on duty. And mm -hmm. as an EMS leader, I now have to start thinking about, um, if I'm put in that position, what do I decide for them? Yeah. And, um, but it, it, you know, Kelly, uh, to, to the point of what we're talking about, I didn't think 10 years ago we'd have to do this. And, um, no. you know, one of the things that started to change my opinion about how we do our job was during 2014, during the Ferguson crisis, yeah. when I had to start fitting my people, I was the one who was fitting my people for bulletproof vests. Yeah. And the paradigm of what we're doing is changing but it still doesn't change the fact of us being assaulted. It still doesn't change mm -hmm. the fact of us getting beaten. Um, we have to be able to figure out a way to address that. And, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, more, uh, you know, DT for EMS. Uh, maybe it's, yeah. you know, uh, defense classes. Mm -hmm. But we got to address this as EMS leaders. And I think this really comes out to be an organizational issue that uh, we've got to address now. But I'll give you the final word. You know, uh, I think culture is changing, and and we're we're lagging behind in reacting to it. Uh, violence. Uh, I, I don't know statistically, as I said before, I don't know if it's statistically significant uh, rise, but it certainly seems like workplace violence is on the rise. Uh, this firefighter was shot by a coworker he had a conflict with um, in the rail yard shooting uh, in California in the last few days, uh, also workplace violence. That sort of thing seems to be on the rise. I don't know if it's just violence in general. If, if our society in, in the last 10 years uh, that we, we've gotten more adversarial and less tolerant of each other, uh, but it's worrisome, and the only thing I can think of is is I try try to be nice to other people and be prepared for the eventuality that they won't be nice back. But hey, that's what I think. We'd like to hear what you think. We'd like to know what what steps is your agency taking to protect you? Uh, do they allow you uh, the means and the method to defend yourself? Uh, do they issue you? Uh, uh, body armor? Do they allow you to carry weapons on duty? What's their policy in that regard? We'd like to hear those thoughts. So if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and contact the Inside EMS team at the show at ems1.com to share those comments, ideas, suggestions, and feedback. Or if you know a guest that you'd love to hear appear on our show, give us their name and we'll reach out to them. For myself and co-host Chris Sabalero, you guys be safe out there. 
keep your head on a swivel. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you next week.